Welcome to the Science of SaaS Startups podcast, where we talk with leaders across the world of tech startups. We'll be discussing revenue growth, leadership, funding, acquisition, and much more. This podcast is for anyone at a SaaS startup. Whether you're a new business hunter or founder, make sure you tune in and enjoy the episode. Before we get into it, make sure you hit like and subscribe. And don't forget to comment your views below. The Science of SaaS Startups podcast is brought to you by Venetech, a sales recruiter for high-growth SaaS startups. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Science of SaaS Startups podcast. Today, I'm talking to Chris Colkin. Chris is the, the VP of Worldwide Sales at, at Circle CI, and they're the, the world's largest shared CI/CD platform. Chris, welcome. Thanks a lot, Ben. Happy to be here. So I just want to kick things off by asking you a, a few quick questions just to help the audience get to, to know you a little bit. So the first one, if you could go for a beer with any celebrity, dead or alive, who would, it cho- who would you choose? Interesting first question. I actually had a chance to have a beer with Mark Cuban in Oxford, more than one beer, actually, um, (laughs) which was very interesting just to hear someone like him thinking about, you know, the future of business, the future of technology and and kind of how the two are are interlaid. Beyond that, who would I who would I go get a beer with? Right now, I'm you know, very into the Tour de France. So I'm thinking about Primoz Roglic, who just crashed out of the Tour de France. Uh, I would like to go get a beer with him. He probably needs a beer right now, I think. He does need a beer. He definitely (laughs) needs a beer. (laughs) So obviously your your background has been primarily in in sales and and marketing before that. What job do you think you would be least suited for? Having led a sales team that's selling to DevOps leaders and DevOps engineers, I can tell you that I'm not suited for that role. That okay. that role takes it takes a massive amount of expertise and knowledge. That as much as I understand it from a business value standpoint, I'm never going to. And my salespeople are never going to understand certain things the way that someone that has a master's in computer science from MIT and 20 years experience scaling DevOps at an enterprise does. Certainly not a role I am qualified for. Although a role that is very interesting for me. Yeah, I guess there's a big learning curve there, which is was yeah. you on your toes. Yeah. What book has impacted you more than any other? I mean, does Harry Potter count? <laughs> yeah, you can uh, say Harry Potter. Yeah, you can say whatever. No, you want. no, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a big time reader, and I do actually love fantasy. I still read a ton of fantasy in in between business books. I would say the two business books that have been most impactful for me more recently, maybe a year ago, I read The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Okay. Uh, Great book. So probably heard of Andreessen Horowitz Horowitz or A16Z, the venture capital firm. So it's by Ben Horowitz. And it's just about kind of running through his experience and what led him to where he is today. And it talks about the different challenges that he faced and what he'd advise people to do in the future. And just made me think about a lot of the situations that I've been in historically, that I'm in at Circle CI and, and how to face those challenges. And so it's super helpful there. And then I would say a business book that everyone should read if they haven't read it and probably reread is How to Win Friends and Influence People, yeah. um, which I think I think most folks have. And it's it's just such basic, obvious stuff. And at the same time, you know, it's things that I think we need to be reminded about day after day, you know, 
basic things like smiling, using people's names, you know, not always calling out people for being wrong, things that you go, that's really logical. Sometimes you just need to read it to reflect back on yourself. Yeah, hopefully those are those are two recommendations that I think most people would get behind if they've read those books. Yeah, I mean, I think I was given that on the kind of week one of my career, like, you know, straight out of university, it was like, read this yeah. book. And, you know, I think those old books never get old, do they really? So, um, well, thank you for that. And I hope that that's given everybody a bit more of a sense of kind of you of a, as a person. So if we jump into to Circle CI now, so do you want to just kick things off by giving us an overview of the company and, and what you're trying to do? Sure. So CircleCI helps developers go from idea to delivery, kind of at their, the speed of their imagination. And, and what that really means is we automate the build, test, and deploy process of software. So if you think about the change of software development from, say, the 90s, you know, it's now very iterative. It's across a variety of platforms, across a variety of pieces of hardware. You have software that's being delivered to cars and refrigerators now. And it's very different than it was before. And so if you had to manually take time to test every single specific situation that might occur, whether it's on a device or a specific situation, you can imagine the not only the delays that you'd have, but the, the hesitancy you would have to go to market with those feature updates. And so we completely erase that by automating that process. So company-wise, just kind of stats, we're roughly 600 employees. We have five kind of primary hubs across San Francisco, our headquarters, Denver, where I'm based, Boston, London, and Tokyo. Although we have a very global organization, we have folks really across the world in all of our departments. As far as kind of what we're trying to do, our mission as an organization is to be kind of the de facto continuous integration and delivery standard. So there's a lot of other organizations in the market that are kind of trying to do like soup to nuts DevOps, which, you know, I think that there is a business model for kind of the peanut butter approach where you're trying to kind of go across everything. And then there's a business mm -hmm. model for the best of breed. And we are very much so the best of breed technology. And that is very much so our value proposition. And we believe that continuous integration, delivery, and deployment is not only important enough to have one solution, but it's the most important part of the software delivery lifecycle. And so that's where you see like our acquisition of VAMP, which is a continuous deployment and validation provider out of Amsterdam that we just acquired recently. And we'll obviously be looking to layer in their technology with ours. Does that answer your question, Ben? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit in your answer, but obviously in this market, there's some very, very big names, you know, people like uh, GitLab and Google and Microsoft and, and AWS. And I guess, you know, you were kind of touching on it there being, you know, a kind of peanut butter provider versus a, like a best in breed provider. But do, I just wondered, like competing with brand names like that, does that change anything in terms of the way that you need to go to market and approach things? Yeah, absolutely. So when I joined CircleCI, our biggest competitor was an open source technology called Jenkins. And Jenkins has ultimately been around since 2000. And Jenkins is probably still our number one kind of incumbent competitor. It's usually we're going in and actually replacing Jenkins. The kind of com primary competitor that we were going to market against, uh, kind of against Jenkins during when I first joined was Travis CI, which was another startup that was based out of Berlin, also very popular with open source developers. And today they have kind of continued to, to find their niche. They still have a, a core group of customers, but, but haven't really grown in a few years. 
And so instead, what you've seen is the advent of companies like GitLab getting more into CI, and then companies like Microsoft acquiring GitHub, obviously a few years ago for $7.5 billion, and then GitHub releasing GitHub Actions, which is a competitive product on continuous integration and delivery. AWS has tons and tons of products that can help out with a variety of things, as does Google. The way things have changed now is that there are organizations that always understood how important CI/CD was, and those organizations are still looking to buy Circle CI. Right? They they still go, "Yep, we want the best of breed technology because we know how important this is to our business." What our business has to do now and is working on continuing to do is educating the rest of the market on why it's important to invest in best of breed versus just kind of go with your existing provider for, you know, all of your other things, um, your all-in-one solution as, as it is. And that's, you know, that's a challenge. That's not something that is going to, you know, just happen out of the gate for everyone. They might be like, well, you know, I've got this big contract with Microsoft or Amazon, et cetera. And, yeah. you know, I would just want to take advantage of that. And it goes, yeah, I understand that short-term short-term friction that you don't want to deal with, you're going to have much, much uh, deeper long-term friction if you don't. And that said, you know, the other thing about the DevOps industry is that all of these organizations are our partners, right? We work very, yeah. very closely with GitHub. We work very, very, very closely with AWS as well as GCP. And so, you know, it's ultimately, it's ultimately a space where there is that, there is considerable overlap. I and mean, it's just about working with the market to not only ensure we have the, the best solution for a variety of different needs, but also that the market understands why the need is so important. And I guess, obviously, with such a quickly growing market as well, there's room for you all to kind of grow within that as well. I wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about the relationship between speed and change management, because obviously sure. there's a massive pressure on development teams to move quickly, and that, that's probably never been greater and, and is only going to increase in the future. But at the same time, you know, we've got software becoming more and more complex, like development teams being more and more complex and distributed across the world and more and more interconnected. So how does a company manage those two seemingly kind of conflicting requirements you know, to be moving quickly, but also on top of all the changes that you're making at the same time? Honestly, it's a, it's a really good question. And if you check out the CircleCI's state of software delivery reports, uh, it's something that we dive into pretty heavily. Obviously, it has a lot to do with the setup of your build, test, deploy processes and the quality of your testing. If you have really accessible systems like a CircleCI, like a GitHub, where a developer can can easily access access their code, they can easily access the build system, they can test for everything that they need to test for, and then they can deliver software, like I said, kind of at the speed of their imagination. So we're not talking about a, a timeline where they're waiting for a day or even hours for results. Maybe they're waiting minutes. And that's something that can be accomplished only through a very, very sophisticated tool set. It's not all about tool set though, obviously. You talked about teams being distributed and we've seen that even at CircleCI as we've scaled to about 600 people. How your teams are formed, how your teams are organized, where work is distributed, where work isn't distributed. These are all important decisions that teams have to make in terms of when they're collaborating, how they're collaborating. And it's worked well for us because that's kind of where we originated. But I think it's 
tougher for companies that went from, okay, yeah, everyone was in one central location. We had this release schedule. We had operators approve everything. Disrupting that and changing that can be uncomfortable. And it really can only happen through organizing teams correctly, which will depend on your business. It could be based off of the, the platform they're delivering to, could be the specific software that they're delivering, or it could be location. There's a variety of different ways to organize teams, but but that is another kind of core core component beyond just the just the software and the uh, setup of the software that they have. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the the DevOps market in general is receiving like a huge focus for investment companies right now. I think you know it would only be behind cybersecurity in terms of where the, the kind of investment is going. Uh, where, where do you see that this industry evolving like in, in the coming years? Like what, what are the trends you're, you're kind of seeing, which you think will develop in, in the next two, three, four, five years? First of all, I think that you mentioned cybersecurity. Security will continue to get interlaid with all of these processes. And if you look at companies like Sneak, uh, they're doing really cool things on the DevOps side from a security standpoint. I, I see that, you know, see their value growing as well. So the reality of what, Circle CI does is we help kind of mitigate a lot of those manual processes that you would have had before. One of the differentiators of Circle CI is referred to in kind of a small feature, it's automated test splitting, where basically if you run your build process once, we'll look at that process and then we'll automatically optimize it for you. So we might take a process that took an hour and cut it down into 10 minutes and we'll do that automatically. But what we won't do is we won't necessarily recommend all of these different changes that you could conceivably make to your code to make that run into five minutes. And that's something that we're working on now. And then I think the next step beyond that is actually just making those changes automatically. You're having companies kind of opt into those changes. And we think about you know, machine learning and AI getting into the DevOps space. That's really what I see kind of happening and, and what I see as a differentiator. We've started by automating this process, but it's all through config as code what we can go further with is leveraging the data and insights that we have to get companies to all a, a best of breed standard where they're all getting kind of constant iterations and updates and improvements. And that I see happening across the DevOps industry. Well, let's um, like dig in a little bit to talk about like the startup life. I mean, you've raised kind of $315 million so far and, and recently closed a Series F in, in May. I wanted to just kind of wind back to, to when you joined the company. I think at that point that they had, they were kind of at Series B stage back in 2017. Mm -hmm. and, and how, you know, how has the company changed from what you walked into in 2017 to, to where you are now? You know, has the culture evolved or is it the same company that, that you joined then? Culture has absolutely evolved. So just to give you a picture kind of for the scale that, you know, my my job has changed. I, you know, when I joined CircleCI, I had four account executives all based out of San Francisco. And that was who I was working with. And now, you know, the sales team is is quickly approaching 100 people across, you know, those five hubs, but but globally. And, and realistically, we expect that to continue to grow at that rate or even a faster rate. So obviously things have had to change from a, just from an organizational standpoint. And I think you have some level of cultural change when that happens, right? Early on, you know, tribal knowledge can, can be an advantage. It can be something that helps you move quickly without having to constantly reference existing documentation and processes. When you're at our scale today, tribal knowledge can be a big challenge because, you know, someone might leave the organization or move into a different position 
And all of a sudden you have 10 people kind of relying on this data and this information that, that don't have it. So we've had to build out new processes for, for things like onboarding, for things like things like continuous training to make sure that teams actually understand things. And that's that means going through a little bit of a different process than maybe someone who who joined the organization three years ago did. Personally, I think a, a better a better process and a better situation. The other thing that evolved at Circle CI was the company very much so started as a as purely product dri- driven company. The company actually acquired Distiller, which was the company founded by Rob Zuber and Jim Rose, who are our CTO and CEO respectively today. And so at the time, Jim was the only non-engineer at the company. And so if you think about the evolution of the company, it was a very, very engineering heavy culture. And that obviously we've wanted to persist as we are a a DevOps uh, software, but we've also wanted to ensure that our engineers are also in communication with the market and our go-to-market function is in communication with our engineers. So getting those two groups, that go-to-market function and the R&D function, really, really strongly aligned is something that has taken time. And where we are today, and really a lot of the success we had near before COVID and even during COVID, I think was due to our cohesion there. So definitely some changes. Not all of them are always super fun growing up as a company. You do have to do kind of different things from a okay, I, you know, I better put together my second half of year planning now. But most of them have been very, very positive. And as a leader, like, do you find yourself learning new skill sets then? You know, because I guess when you're joining and you've got four sales guys, your job is very different to, to what it is now. So are you learning all these things for the first time? Yes. And that's why, <laughs> why I love it, right? Pushing you know, yourself. I, I think that, yeah, the... When you first, when I first joined, it was building processes, and you know there was no onboarding. I joined, and I was supposed to coach account executives on how to sell continuous integration delivery, and I didn't understand it. And so I was like, "This is something we need to rectify, and this is an important thing." Because for me, I believe that you know successful salespeople and really go-to-market function is is a confident go-to-market function, and confidence comes through through knowledge. And so it's something I focused a lot on early on. So. Over time, obviously, as we've as we've hired, and for some years, I felt like you know 60% of my job was hiring um, and ensuring we had the right folks on board. It's been about building out building out that scale, building out our onboarding function, which is now run by a great team of enablement folks, building out our our quota and compensation models. These things they had to change throughout my time here, and the way that I'm building them now. Are, you know, of course, it's different than it was when we were 100 employees, but I'm sure it'll be different next year as well. So there'll be challenges that I haven't haven't faced yet, and will will continue to face, and and that's what's exciting. And as you grow internationally, you know, how, how do you try and maintain that culture that made you successful in in the U.S. market, and and then you're growing in new regions, you know, with different cultures. You know, how how do you keep the the kind of company culture? So obviously, I mentioned hiring and hiring is huge. And that, for me, goes through kind of going into each interview process with some very clear objective criteria. My first one is curiosity. I'm looking for folks that not only have the ability to learn, but really want to learn. Not only is our technology very complex, our space is complex, and it's constantly changing. And so you need to have that curiosity in order to be successful here. I also, though, try to spend a lot of time 
kind of within our within all our hubs and with all of our people directly. So I obviously started in San Francisco. I'm currently based in Denver as I moved out here to open the office and then ultimately decided to stay. I used to spend a lot of time in the UK prior to, I was actually there in February of 2020, right up until I, until I had to. You ran um, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, spent time with our team there to kind of understand their, you know, their backgrounds and what they were going to input into the culture. You know, I call myself feedback driven in the sense that I, I have a perspective, but I want every single person on the sales organization and ideally in the company to be contributing something. Um, hey, this process could be improved, this messaging could change. Because ultimately, I think that that's what that's what I personally have liked. And that's really, for me, the only way the organization gets better. That might even be from, you know, a brand new SDR, just looking at a process through a different lens and seeing, hmm, you know, this doesn't seem right. Because often it isn't. And at my level, I want, I wouldn't see that if they didn't bring it to me. So those are some of the things that I do to try to retain the culture as we as we grow. And then obviously we do the things like sales kickoffs, presidents clubs, et cetera, where we make sure we can get together and share ideas as well. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of mentioned a couple of the, the kind of soft skills that you look for, like when you hire someone and you, you kind of briefly touched on it previously when you were kind of intimating that your previous company that you worked with was more in the, the kind of MarTech space. I mean, how much do you see kind of previous experience of working in an industry as being critical or, or do you see curiosity and that cultural fit as being the, the key piece? It's a great question. I think very, very relevant for a company that has is complex of technology as CircleCI. The reality is that having technical acumen to start is, is a huge leg up. It definitely helps. That said, I've had folks that are from totally unrelated industries that have wound up to be some of my most successful people. And that's why I think it's, it is about that, that curiosity, that work ethic, that ability to learn. If they have kind of at least those three things, of course, there's other traits that I look for as well, then they can be successful in learning our technology and, and ultimately kind of get ahead of where someone else might be. I've also hired folks from not necessarily competitors, but folks in our space that have had a harder time getting ramped up. So they came in with some of that technical acumen, but didn't necessarily have that curiosity. And so I do think while having technical acumen is huge leg up and really helpful, it's not everything. And I would say that for, I would say that for anyone in their career, the reality is even if we've been there before, there's nothing that is exactly the same about any of the situations. When we were 380 employees and my previous company was 380 employees, vastly different challenges that we were facing. And so while my experience in both my experience prior was helpful, it didn't give me the answers. And so I, I think that while experience is is useful, certainly not to be, you know, not to be taken for granted. It can also it can be a crutch for folks that don't continuously want to learn. Yeah. Okay. So you would place those soft skills as being more important than than some of the kind of C V type skills, if you like. I would, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so final question, 
I was just interested because obviously you've been with two like very, very rapidly growing companies in, in your career. And I think in any kind of company that has that steeper growth path, you know, there's going to be a very steep learning path that, that goes along with that as well. And I just wanted to kind of ask about the role that mentors have played in your career development so far. Like, is a good mentor something that you've actively seeked out or have you just kind of, you know, learning from your own mistakes or, you know, what, what what's your approach? So I absolutely did with CircleCI, and that was one of the primary reasons I joined the company was to work with Jane Kim, who's our current CRO. So she kind of within the organization was someone that, I knew I could learn a lot from, but that would also let me have the autonomy to, to run the business as I needed to, and sometimes learn from mistakes uh, rather than preventing me from making all of those mistakes. So that was really huge. Prior to that, you know, I kind of stumbled on mentors, people that I would just meet and then glean a lot of, of value from in different aspects of, of life and business. I do think that it's, I think that they are, mentors are hard to, create. It's hard to go out and be like, you're going to be my mentor. People try I think people try to do that when they see people with certain titles and, and that, you know, that, that's certainly valuable to pick those people's brains, no doubt. The people I found ended up being very successful in their career, but some of them were, you know, maybe just an account executive when I was in an early stage account executive, right? And then they grew on to be, you know, CROs and CEOs of, of companies. And it's more through just having interactions with a variety of people, I think you get the benefit of, of finding who would be your true mentor. And, and each person is going to be different in terms of, you know, the people that, that really speak to them. Going back to that point that you mentioned earlier about curiosity again, isn't it? You know, if you meet anyone, it doesn't matter what title they have. If you're interested in what they're doing and asking them questions, you know, that person can be a mentor. 100%. Absolutely. And that was one of the coolest things. And one of the reasons I, I did my MBA, I was inundated in the technology market in the Bay Area. Everyone you speak to is technology. That's, and that was, that's awesome in a lot of ways. And then going to Oxford and then doing a negotiation class with the Norwegian doctor, yeah. like those types of conversation just gave me a whole different lens that I didn't get to experience before. And it was incredibly valuable. You know, it's something I think that, that everyone should do. Just go get those diverse perspectives. Go get those alternative opinions because you're going to learn a lot more from them than you will, you know, people that have the exact same perspectives as you. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, it's been really great having you on today, Chris, and, and thank you for joining us. If people want to discuss Circle CI, what, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can reach out on our website. You can also just reach out to me. It's just chris.calkin at circleci.com. Happy to obviously chat about Circle CI or kind of anything that's discussed in this podcast. So, um, but yeah, and I, I really appreciate it. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully this is useful for everybody. Yeah, great stuff. And I really look forward to it's kind of watching the next stage of your growth. Great. Thanks a lot, Ben. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Science of SaaS Startups podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit like and subscribe. And don't forget to comment below. The podcast is brought to you by Venetech, a sales recruiter for high-growth SaaS startups. Get in touch with Ben Jackson if you're looking for a new role or to add sales talent to your team.